Welcome to the number one cookbook podcast, Cookery by the Book, with Susie Chase. She's just a home cook in New York City, sitting at her dining room table, talking to cookbook authors. Hello, my name is Ben Tish. Uh, my latest book is Moorish, Vibrant Recipes from the Mediterranean. When doing my research about the Moors, I found so much confusing information, even though they ruled Spain for 800 years. Wikipedia says the Moors are not a distinct or self-defined people. I understood the term Moor was used by Europeans to refer to anyone of Arabic descent. What does it mean to be a Moor? The term more is a bit of, um, it, it, it is quite a gray area. And I think, um, I think it's, it's right that there wasn't one distinct kind of nation or country where the Moors came from, but it was a mix of, it was from all over North Africa. It was probably a collective, a collective word for, for that back in the day. But I think now for me, this is my understanding of it, is that the influence, the Moorish, what it is to be a Moor, uh, doesn't exist anymore. It's basically it's a, the influence of a collection of people from all over North Africa that basically invaded and occupied, you know, Spain, Andalusia, but also Sicily, uh, Portugal, and a lot of the southern Mediterranean. You wrote about how they combined indigenous ingredients with their own imported techniques, flavorings, ingredients, and yeah, spicing. Yeah, and ingredient exactly that. So, yeah, it was um, it was how they adapted the recipes, their own recipes, the Arabic recipes, and te- as you say, techniques, um, ingredients, and then yeah, with the the local, with a lot of the local techniques, with a lot of the local indigenous. Um, products and, and, and produce and yeah and then how that then kind of manifested itself over 800 years was was very clear it was a, a big push on the on the Arabic side of things but then I think where it became more interesting was when the, the Moors left okay so when the Moors were kind of expelled they left and then how that then the the locals the locals in Spain the locals in Sicily then carried on using the techniques and then kind of morphed into this Moorish influence of food. That's, I think, where the most interesting part was, is when the Arabs had actually left. Yeah, so, so their influence on Spain exceeds the mere ingredients and cuts to the very core of some of the yeah, most yeah. important flavor-building techniques. Um, yeah. For example, yeah. they combined yeah. um, sweet with savory. When the Moors invaded and when they occupied that, one of the key dishes that was developed there that was eaten widely was what's known as pinchos marinos, which is essentially a kebab. Um, it doesn't get more kind of, you know, Arabic than a kebab. And they used any meat that they could get their hands on, usually lamb, and they introduced lamb into Andalusia and, you know, and, and then marinated this meat with spices, smoked paprika, cumin, uh, vinegar, um, lemon as a, as a preservative as well as a flavoring. Because um, of, of course, the lack of refri- you know no refrigeration in those days, and then cooking it over charcoal. Now this dish then has you know when the when the Arabs were there it was it was lamb of course. And then as soon as the Arabs left, this dish stayed, but the meat that it morphed into was I- Iberico pork. This dish is still one of the most popular dishes in Andalusia. Pinchos marinos. They still they still skewer it. They still cook it over over charcoal um, or an open fire, but it's with Iberico pork. But they still use those spices. Um, that the uh, the Arabs there, and that's for me typifies how how the uh, the influence has kind of you know was stamped in the uh, in originally, 
and then it's kind of morphed into um, in, in, into what the locals would like. And spices have become a passion of yours too, right? It's a passion in, in the sense that I, I love using spice at home. I do just using them more and more at work now, but, you know, I've always thought that I've never been an expert with spicing because um, it's not my natural classical training to, to have used spices. Um, you know, I'm very much kind of uh, a... a uh, you know, European and uh, classic trained chef. You know, my wife is half Indian, so we cook a lot of Indian food at home, and so spice is there. But just recently opened a restaurant which focuses on Sicily and the Moorish influences on Sicily, which is which is equally as important as, as Andalusia. And we are um, using a lot of spicing in the cuisine, which is surprising for a lot of people because people associate Italian, essentially southern Italian food, with spicing. But in Sicily, it's prominent. So um, yeah, we're, we're 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 surprising people with that. And let us not forget the very influential spice of saffron. It's the quintessentially yeah, yeah. <laughs> Moorish spice that's used so often in Spanish cooking. It's it, very much so, and and, in, and indeed um, Sicilian cooking as well. You know, I think uh, you know it's very much so in, in Spain. You know, with the paellas and and um, and things like that. But also in Sicily, saffron is is very very popular. In fact, we use um, we at the, at the restaurant we have um, an arancini rice, which uh, is uh, is hugely popular. And cumin is the one spice that epitomizes the influence of Moorish cuisine. As home cooks. What interesting things should we be doing with cumin? Um, I mean, I suppose there's a few things, really. I mean, I I, I, I would always recommend with spicing, even if you're doing ground, is to... Is, is if you can is to buy the whole cumin seeds. Make sure your spices are you know as fresh as fresh as possible. And if you want to and if you want ground cumin, then grind the spices yourself. If you if you've got the facilities and means to do that, it's just so it's just so much better. It, you know it's it's astonishing how different it is from the from the bags or jars of of, uh, of, uh, of pre-ground spices you get. So that would be the first thing I would say. Um, I mean, other things I like to do are with marinade, if you're using cumin, is to use ground and whole cumin uh, seeds. And then when you grill something that's got the whole cumin seeds on, they kind of uh, crisp up, if you like, and add a real, really beautiful flavor, but also a really interesting texture uh, to cumin. Whole cumin uh, has a different effect to ground cumin. You know, ground cumin is much more intense, a bit of flavor hit, but uh, yeah, if you put cumin seeds in uh, a slow cook dish, um, they just kind of really, it's got a much kind of slower, more subtle flavor. There's two very different things there with ground cumin and uh, whole cumin seeds. So your love of food developed when you were a young boy growing up in a fishing village on the North Sea. Tell us about that. That does sound quite a romantic notion that um, it was a it was a small village and fishing port. In fact, it's it's a um, definitely by the sea, but it's it's a kind of a seaside. Uh, town so how could i describe it it's kind of like a, a big tourist destination so it looked to me like thing. coney island does here in new york yes, city exactly that. coney island but much smaller and probably and probably not as not as fun <laughs> <laughs> uh, if that, i'm not, not really selling it am i um no it used to be it, <laughs> it used to be quite a buzzy place but it's, it's not so much anymore but but yes it, it was all kind of fish and chips and uh, to be honest, none of the, there wasn't really any fishing going on off the coast of there, and it was all kind of everybody. It was it was a bit low rent, um, scaling this. But nonetheless, my my parents um, had 
a, a business, which was amusements and also catering. And they had a big cafe that did fish and chips and all these kind of British seaside food. So I did a bit of work there as a child, as a, as a, young, as a young boy, um, helping out. And I, I suppose whilst the food we were cooking was not, not of the best highest standard and quality, um, it probably did get me into cooking a little bit um, for, from an early age. The Moors introduced watermelon to Spain towards the end of the 10th century. That's funny because mm. I never put any thought into where watermelon originated. Originally, I think it was kind of like Tunisia. Tunisia's big watermelon growing place. So I think that was probably brought over from there. One recipe in the cookbook that I wasn't familiar with is the Calabrian-style sea bream. Can you describe mm. this? Yeah, yeah, that's actually one of my favourite dishes. So that is a bit of a spin, really, on um, kind of crudo, essentially raw, lightly, very, very lightly cooked or cured fish dishes. Um, so that dish was a, a really a, a creation of mine. But but yeah, raw, essentially raw sea bream, very, very fresh, and then uh, tossed with very spicy pate. Two things that are, uh, are very specific to Calabria are bergamot and endia. Endia was originated in, 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 um, in Calabria and bergamot are grown. There's a few, I'd say 90% of bergamots are grown in Calabria. There's a few grown around southern Italy and, and elsewhere, but it's mainly there. And, and bergamot is a, um, it's a citrus that has um, most kind of wonderful um, scented uh, uh, kind of exotic aroma and, and, and flavor it's not for everybody i have to say um it's quite floral and you know people if people are eating it um or going to eat it thinking it's going to taste like an orange then they're going to be quite mistaken this is very it's very different but it works brilliantly with the endoia um and those two elements as well because they're sharp and fiery and uh, kind of cure the fish so essentially you're kind of lightly cooking it with those ingredients added what's the flavor profile of sea bream i've never had it before Wild sea bream, I would akin to wild sea bass. Mm, okay. Probably a bit, uh, probably a bit earthier. That's my kind of go-to fish. I always have that on my menus. So the Moors played a big part in the development of food throughout mainland Spain. The method of cooking in clay pots came from the Moors, as did wood-burning ovens. The Moors in North Africa introduced spicing and complexity into slow cooking, which was the precursor to the tagine. What is your favorite tagine dish? It would have to be fairly traditional, really, but I love lamb with apricots and almonds, very fresh almonds, um, and, and a little cumin spicing. Tajines are kind of traditionally dry, um, but I've had it where almond, almond milk as well as almonds are added to the tagine um, to give it some moisture. Something like lamb neck is great for a tagine because you've got a nice fattiness to it. Yeah, cumin and, and yeah, apricots. And apricots probably like dried the semi-dried apricots, uh, amazing tajin. So in uh, the cookbook, there is a slow-cooked squid recipe. I don't think I've yeah. ever seen a slow-cooked squid recipe. I've always seen grilled or fried. Talk a little bit about this. You can either cook squid very, very quickly or, or, or very slowly. And yeah, I just think it makes for the most meatiest, you know, robust of, of, of kind of braises or ragus, if you like. I think it's, it's one of the best things, particularly in the winter. It's a fantastic thing to do. So in the same vein, talk a bit about the ceremony celebrated in Granada, Spain called... I think it's called the Christians and the Moors. Yeah, that, no, that's right. And they have, um, well, they've created this dish. Um, There's kind of dish, different, different versions of, um, of the dish around. And um, I don't know how 
how politically correct the dish is, <laughs> to be honest with you. But, yeah, it's um, weird. It's um, in the in the cookbook. It's octopus and smoked paprika with black beans and rice. The octopus and the smoked paprika is kind of my addition. Uh, uh, Fundamentally, its most basic form, it's black beans and which are. Uh, represent the Moors That's and the rice represents re- represents the Christians. Um, that's awful. Uh, so yeah, I know. So yeah, I mean that's that, that's what it is, and it's, cel- you know, it's celebrated, and they use a stock to it. Whatever you know, very you know, the, the very basic level, they'll use a fish stock or what, or in, or, or an octopus stock. But I've kind of, I think I've tried to elevate it. So the octopus, the whole the 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 octopus pieces to it is is probably. A more luxurious version than you than you would find at these festivals and so on. You might get an octopus stock, but the whole, um, you know, the nice sliced pieces of octopus in it and lots of smoked paprika. I've tried to make it a bit more uh, luxurious and and um, and exciting. But yeah, it's 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 a very popular thing around around this festival time, certainly. And um, yeah, they're still they're still they're still doing it year year after year. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. So those Moors, they were really smart. Talk about their influence on infrastructure of the Iberian Peninsula. When they originally invaded, they built inroads into the land, which was kind of hugely undeveloped. As they were building the roads, they planted citrus trees all along the roads as they went um, for multiple reasons. You know, one being that um, they obviously they wanted the, the, the citrus. So all those citrus trees that you find in Seville now, they were originated by the Arabs. One, because they wanted the fruits to use in cooking and, um, you know, perfumes and so on and things like that. But also because of the smell of the um, of when they when they arrived, the, the smell of uh, was unpleasant. So they wanted to mask that smell, and so hence created uh, these these pits where they planted all these citrus trees. So that was one thing that they did. Or well, they distilled alcohol. That was another thing they did, and uh, it wasn't to drink, obviously, because the Arabs would not drink. But um, you know, they created uh, perfumes and um, developed really developed how we now experience perfumes and things. That's that's one one of the things they created there. Um, the distillation of the alcohol. Then the local took to and started to kind of drink spirits um that's how that bit came about but yeah it was the arabs that actually created the distillation of alcohol when they were there tell me about your restaurants norma and the stafford so the stafford is a hotel in st james's in so both in london and in, in st james's um it's a very old uh it's an old hotel old five-star hotel um which has lots of history and royal connections and heritage and um, it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful place. It's got a huge wine cellar that runs the length and breadth of the of, of the hotel in the basement. And we have uh, there we have a, a restaurant um, in there called the Game Bird, which is um, a kind of a, I suppose a contemporary British restaurant. But we do a lot of British classics in there um, that are done well. They're elevated, so. British classics such as fish and chips and steak and kidney pie and and those kind of those kind of things um, you know whole dress crab uh, lobster cocktail but things are done really really well um, you know we, we and, and they're also the the service and the style is, is has a has a has a modern uh, fresh element to it rather than being it stuffy and pompous but Norma is a relatively new restaurant we opened five five or six weeks ago which is a bit further uh, I think north of there and it's in Fitzrovia it's a, a Sicilian restaurant uh, Sicilian with, with North African and Moorish influences um, smattered through it in terms of the menu and the decor and yeah uh, it's, um, it's it's exciting we've, we'd say we've been open five weeks and um, it's it's, it's like, 
very busy. We've been well received, and it's uh, um, it's, it's going well. It's extremely busy, which is which is good. So last weekend, I made your recipe for Gordal olives on page one eighty. Describe yeah. this dish and what Gordal olives are. So yeah, Gordal olives um, are they're beautiful, big, juicy olives from Seville or around Seville. Um, and yeah, fat, gourd olives is essentially fat. They're, 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 such a, they're such a great olive. One, because they're very tasty, but two, they're ideal for stuffing. Yeah, we stuff these ones with, with a whipped goat's curd or a goat's cheese, little pieces of orange, and then a little bit of salt and, uh, and cumin. We make, a, we make a little mix of cumin seeds and salt and just sprinkle that on there as well and drizzle with uh, olive oil. And they just make the most amazing um, tapper, I suppose, or, you know, just pre, pre-dinner with pre-dinner drinks. It's absolutely perfect. Such a, such a delicious dish, that, actually. Now for my segment called My Favorite Cookbook. Aside from mm. this cookbook, what is your all-time favorite cookbook and Why? I could spend hours on this subject because I really am a cookbook. <laughs> I'm sure. I, I am. I've got I've got so many cookbooks at home. It's ridiculous. My wife hates it because I'm, you know, <laughs> we're kind of like everywhere's groaning with it. But I suppose just just thinking straight out loud would be the Morrow Cookbook, which is by um, Sam Clark, and it's the original one, which is from a restaurant called Morrow. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with it. It's no. in uh, it's in Lon- it's in London. Uh, yeah, it's still it's still there, which is great. It's probably been open about I'd say probably about fifteen or sixteen years now, and they um, explore Spain, and there's there's a Moorish element to it. They go further afield though, rather than staying in Spain and focusing on the Moorish influence there, they go further afield and, and, and go into North Africa. And it's just such a groundbreaking, it was a groundbreaking book. The book came out probably about 12, 13 years ago. And it's most definitely, even now, it's a book I, I go back to and just get some little hints and tips. And it's the, you know a, a, a cookbook's good when it's all the pages are kind of grubby and thumbed and greasy and from totally. cooking. And, and, that, and, that, and that is that book. And it's the first one. And that's, yeah, I've got no problem saying that's, that's, that's my favorite cookbook. Where can we find you on the web and social media? Uh, ben.tish at ben.tish I'm kind of found, mostly found on there in terms of food and the Norma website is www.normalondon.com I think they're the, probably the two main places you find me well thanks for writing about this interesting fusion of flavors and thanks so much for coming on Cookery by the Book podcast great thank you very much for having me on subscribe over on cookerybythebook.com and thanks for listening to the number one cookbook podcast Cookery by the Book